I told Brother Gary Carlson a minute ago that he inspired my sermon this morning. Uh, Brother Gary, the past few years, has given me a CD of uh, him singing, and this one goes back to 2012. Song number 11 on there, Gary, is I'd Rather Have Jesus, and I was listening to that Tuesday when I came home from my mom's, and that song just ran through my mind the rest of the week. I'd Rather Have Jesus, and I entitled my sermon uh, that this morning. Uh, We read from Joshua chapter 24, Joshua was now an old man. He had led God's people into the promised land. They crossed the Jordan River on dry land, just like Moses led the people across the Red Sea on dry land. They'd taken Jericho, the first city in the promised land that God uh, gave to them uh, by by God's might. Uh, And they they had defeated city after city, people after people. And now Joshua was about to die. And the reins of leadership are about to be about to pass to another. And so in Joshua chapter 4, 24, he calls all the people together. And the Bible says he rehearses or recounts everything that God has done for them. And then he, in verse 15, he says, you need to make a decision. He says, choose you this day whom ye will serve. And that uh, call for a decision to decide to either serve God or not to serve God is not unique to the book of Joshua. It's a call that resounds through the whole Bible. I mean, it starts in the book of Genesis, where Adam had a choice whether he was going to be obedient to God and serve God by not eating of the fruit of of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or if he was going to be disobedient to God and eat that fruit. Uh, Enoch faced that same decision. The world was a wicked place when Enoch lived. And he had, he had to make the choice. Am I going to walk with God or am I going to walk with the world? Enoch had to make that choice. Noah had to make that choice. The world got more wicked from the day of Enoch to the, the day, uh, day, day, day of Noah. And people were doing whatever they thought, much like today. There was no restraint. Whatever people could think of, uh, they did. And, and Noah had to make a choice. Am I going to be true to God or am I going to walk with the world? Uh, in Exodus chapter 32, Moses had given the people the Ten Commandments. And while he was up on the mountain getting instructions from God, uh, the people turned against God. They, 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 they broke the first couple commandments when they made that golden calf and bowed down to it. And Moses came down and he stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And throughout the Bible, God has used his, his prophets and his preachers to call the people to make that decision. Are you going to choose me or are you going to choose the world? Are you going to choose, uh, are you going to choose my way or are you going to choose your way? Uh, Elijah stood upon Mount Carmel. He called the people together. He said, you got to make a choice. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long haught ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Over and over again in this book, people are called to make decisions. What are you going to do with God? It didn't change in the New Testament. I mean, we, we read in the book of Matthew where Pilate stands before the people. They had a choice to make. He, he stood before the people and said, okay, I, I have two prisoners. Which one do you want me to release? Do you want me to release this murderer called Barabbas? Or should I release this one that the high priest have bought, brought to me, your king, Jesus Christ? And, and the people cried out, release Barabbas! Release Barabbas! And Pilate said, then what should I do with this one called Christ? 
And you know the answer the crowd gave him. They said, crucify him. Crucify him. You see, the book hasn't changed. The word of God doesn't change. I mean, it's, it's an eternal book. It will always, always has been and always be the same. And, and the decision that these, that we talked about, that, 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 that Adam made and that Enoch made and that Noah made and that, that Moses called the people to make and Elijah called the people to make and that Pilate called the people to make is the decision that each one of us have to make today. You see, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never come to him and admitted that you were a sinner. And by the way, we all are. There's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you've never come to God and admitted that you were a sinner, never stood before him with the guilt of your sin upon you, knowing that there's a penalty to pay for that sin, and knowing that you can't pay for it yourself. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, you have a decision to make today. And I know some of you say, well, preacher, I didn't come to make any decisions today. I, 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 I just came to church. It's a normal Sunday. Somebody invited me to come, and I can't, I can't help it. You have to make a decision. You see, if you're here and you're not saved, you're going to decide again today, what are you going to do with this one called Christ? What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to reject him again? Or are you going to come to your senses and come to Christ and ask him to be your savior? Most of us today are Christians. Most of us have made that decision. But you know what? Every day, every day we make that same decision. What are we going to do with Jesus? Not to get saved again, but are we going to live for him? Are we going to serve him? Are we going to live by this book? Most of the people that we've talked about who had to make this choice were God's people. They already identified with God, and yet they had to make a choice. Are they going to continue to do that? And so every single one of us, even as Christians, have a decision to make today. Am I going to continue to live for God? Am I going to draw closer to him? Am I going to ask, am I going to give the Holy Spirit more control of my life? I want to encourage you this morning to say with Joshua, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Or say with the songwriter when he said, I'd rather have Jesus. This morning, I have a simple message. I'd rather have Jesus. And I want to give you three reasons why I made that choice. And submit to you that for the same three reasons, you ought to make that same choice. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus, number one, because he loves me. Because he loves me. You know, I was thinking on uh, Thursday night, some of the most profound songs that are sung in this place are not sung from up here. They're sung back in that room right there. They're sung back in that room right there. And they're sung out in the fellowship hall. Some of the most profound songs that are sung in this place are sung by the kids. Songs like, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know. Or the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. 
Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. You know, we as a society, we as a world, we as a people, we use the, love, the word love very easily. We say, I love you to many different people. But I want to, I submit to you this morning that love truly is a very rare thing. And again, you could probably count on your fingers and your toes the people in your life that you truly love and that truly love you. And I know many people have defined it many different ways, but I I, want to give you my definition for love and what I'm talking about this morning. Love is this. Love is setting aside your needs, your desires, your welfare, to meet the needs and the desires and to care for the welfare of another. We know 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as the love chapter. I think there's two basic phrases in that chapter that, 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 that describe love. Where the Bible says in verse 5, love seeketh not her own. And then in verse 7, love endureth all things. Because you see, most of the love relationship that the world knows is a relationship where love seeks her own. Seeks her own. You love somebody because you want something from them. And your love toward them is dependent on their love for you. If you quit loving them, they quit loving you. And then that other phrase, endureth all things. Most love that the world talks about has a limit. I only love you if you deserve it. It's not unconditional. If you misbehave in our relationship, I'll quit loving you. You see, the world really doesn't know what love is. Love is unconditional. Love is, uh, doesn't seek your own. Love endureth all things. It's sad that many husbands and wives and many Even parents and children don't have this kind of love toward one another. And I'll tell you this morning, if you have a parent, a mom and a dad, and if you have a child that loves you in this way, you ought to be grateful to your God. You ought to be grateful to your God. Because you see, most love relationships that we have are not really love. Because we're in it because we want something. And it has limits. You see, when God loved us, he didn't expect anything in return. The Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth or proved his love toward us, in that while we were sinners... While we were the enemies of God, Christ died for us. We we were sinners. We were his enemies. And yet he died for us expecting nothing in return. 
He didn't, God, God doesn't expect anything. When, when Jesus went to Calvary, he didn't say, hey, I'm dying and this is what I expect to, for you to give back to me. Now he desires that every single person come to him and receive that gift that he purchased on Calvary. He desires that every person come and accept the, the payment for sin that he made on Calvary. But he doesn't expect that. He doesn't demand that. In fact, there are millions of people that Jesus died on the cross for that have rejected him their whole life. And yet, he died for them. And I want to tell you something. God's love has no limit. It endureth all things. God doesn't quit loving us when we misbehave. He doesn't quit loving us when we step out of the straight and narrow way. He doesn't quit loving us when we show no love to him. He loves us not only unconditionally, he loves us forever. And I don't understand, I don't understand people who reject that kind of love. I'd rather have Jesus this morning. I'd rather have Jesus tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Because Jesus loves me. He loves me. I'd rather have Jesus, number two, because he wants me to go home with him. <laughs> he said in John chapter 14, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I, 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 I believe in the sanctity of the home. I believe that home is a sacred place. I, I don't believe that you should just invite anybody into your home. I, I don't believe that you should invite a murderer, for example, into your home. I don't believe that you should invite, uh, invite a known thief into your home. I don't believe that you should invite a known adulterer or a known rapist into your home. I, I, you, we need to protect who comes in to the sacredness of our home. That's why we need to be so careful about who we invite in. Say, oh, preacher, I would never invite any of those people in. I would never let any of those people into my home. Well, what have you watched on TV this week? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't mean to meddle this morning. I was preaching, but what have you watched on TV this, what kind of movies have you watched this week? Who have you invited into your home? Who have you put before your children? Who have be, who, what have you set before your eyes? The Bible says to set no wicked thing before your eyes. That pretty much describes what television is today and what most movies are today. Who do we invite into our home? I think the highest honor that any person could give another is to invite you into their home. When people invite me into their home, I, I always count it a high honor. I always count it a high privilege. I always thank God for it. Because their home is their refuge. That's their, that's their, their shelter. That's their place of safety. That, that's, that's, where they, that's where they are. I mean, that's where they, they, they are themselves. In, in your home, there's no air of pretense uh, you, you let your hair down. And, it, and I always count it an honor when people invite me into their home. I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus has invited us home with him. We are vile, wicked, dirty sinners. But he says, come on, I want you to go home with me. I'm preparing a special place just for you. I don't know about you, 
I'm looking forward to taking that next step that Brother Clyde and Frida and Debbie sang about a moment ago. I'm looking forward to going to that place that has been prepared for me, that place called heaven. And I know there's some people, that, they, they've given up on the idea of believing in heaven and hell. Not me. I believe there is a heaven. I believe there is a hell. And I'll tell you what. If I, in my heart, I, I, in my heart, I'm 100% sure that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. But if in my heart I was only 1% sure that there was a heaven and there was a hell, if I was only 1% sure, I'd want to go to heaven and not to hell. Huh? I'm a hundred times more convinced that there is a heaven and a hell. But if I was only 1% convinced that there was a heaven and that there was a hell, and there was only 1% of my belief that I believe those two places existed, I'd make sure in my 1% belief that I was on my way to heaven. I'd rather stand on a solid rock than go to that place that's described as the bottomless pit. I'd rather be in the presence of the light of the world than to dwell in darkness forever. I'd rather be in a place where every tear is wiped away rather than that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever and ever and ever. I'd rather have Jesus. Because you see, Jesus is the only way that you can get to heaven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He said that in that same passage of scripture that we read a moment ago. In my father's house are many mansions. He wants you to go. He wants you to come home with him. But he's the only way that you can get there. I'd rather have Jesus because he loves me. I'd rather have Jesus because he wants me to go home with him. And then number three, I'd rather have Jesus Because he'll take care of me until he takes me home. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking, he's preaching. Sermon on the Mount, as we know it. He said, consider the birds, the sparrows. They don't sow or reap. God feeds them. Consider the lilies, the common flowers of the field. They toil not. They don't spin. And yet God clothed them. And even King Solomon in all of his glory were not clothed like the common flowers of the field clothed by God. He said in verse 31 of that chapter, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Never in my life have I had to worry about what to eat, about what to wear, about a place to live. I had parents that provided those things for me. And when I got old enough to be out on my own, I had a job that paid me enough that I could buy food to eat and clothes and a place to live. But I'll be honest with you, when I first went to work... uh, I, I wanted to rise in the ranks. I went to a very competitive college. And uh, when, I, when I went to work, and I would go to work, and I would look at people two or three r- rings up the, up the ladder and say, hey, that, that, that's what I want. That's someday I, I, I want to be where they are. And I probably spent more time thinking about it than I should. And, and I can remember 
it was a it was a Sunday night in the month of June. I got to go back to my home church and hear my home preacher preach. Preacher I surrendered to preach under, Edgar Roberts. And he preached from this chapter in Matthew. And he talked about how God knows what we need. He talked about how God puts people in places where he wants them to be, into positions that he wants them to be. He quoted from the Bible where it says God sets up kings and takes down kings. He sets up rulers and, and takes down rulers. And he said this. If, if you, he, he said these words, and it was like he was just preaching to me directly. He says, if you spend any time at all thinking about a position that you want, what you're doing is not trusting God. You're not trusting God. I walked forward that night. I got down on my knees at the altar, place, place in the church where I was saved, the place where I surrendered to preach. And I said, God, I, 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 I'm done worrying about what position I'm going to have at the place that I work. I want you to make me a good workman, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. I, 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 I want to work hard and I want to do my best. And I don't care if I stay in the same position that I'm in right now the rest of my career. I'm going to be happy because I'll know that's where you want me to be. And from that day, for the most part, I mean, there are times where Satan got a hold of me and I worried about some stuff. But for the most part, I never thought about Moving up, I never thought about, I always just worked hard at the job that I had. Because I decided that night, like this course that's been running through my heart and through my mind all week, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands, I'd rather be led by his nail-scarred hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I hope you can say, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So let me ask you this morning. You have a choice to make. It's a choice that Pilate gave to the people that stood before him that day, the day that they were going to crucify our Savior. Well, what then should I do with this one called Christ? What do you want me to do with this one called Jesus? The one that some say is your king. What, what? What, what, what do you want me to do with him? What are you going to do with him? If you're here today and you've never asked him to be your savior, you can't leave without making a choice. You're either going to accept him and ask him to be your savior, or you're going to say no. And you're going to reject him once again. And I'll tell you, you reject him today. The next time you have an opportunity, the next time you hear the gospel, it's going to be harder for you to say yes. Your heart will be a little bit more calloused. That's why the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. What are you going to do with Christ? He died for you. He wants you to go to heaven with him. He wants you to go home with him. What are you going to do with Jesus? He's the way, the truth, and life. You don't get to heaven any other way. And again, I know most of us here this morning are Christians. What are you going to do with him? Are you going to serve him? Are you going to have no other gods before him? Is he going to have first place in your life? 
Are you going to be busy trying to please him? Look, uh, like Brother Clyde said a moment ago, I don't know how much time before the Lord comes back. He could, he could come in the next moment. He could come this afternoon. He could come tomorrow. He could come at any time. We need to be busy serving him. I'd rather have Jesus. I hope you would too. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us to that choice, for making the choice so clear. Heaven or hell, life or death, darkness or light, Jesus or sin. And I pray that every person here that's not received him would make the choice this morning and say, I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have him. And then, Father, for the many Christians that are here, as the Israelites stood before Elijah, as the Israelites stood before um, Joshua, as they stood before Moses, and these men said, make a choice. Are you going to serve God? Are you going to serve somebody else? Help us to know that we make that choice every day of our life as we decide to live for our Savior. I pray you bless this time of invitation. I pray, Father, that I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every heart and that those that need to do something for you this morning, maybe they need to come and ask Jesus to be their Savior. We can help them do that. Maybe they need to come for baptism. Maybe they need to come because you're talking to them about joining this church. Maybe they just need to come and spend a few moments at this altar and get things straight between you and them. I pray whatever folks need to do, Holy Spirit, you would help them to do it this morning. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.